0: Welcome to Orchard UMC's podcast. At Orchard, we endeavor to live into our mission of transforming the world by growing in faith, serving others, and sharing Jesus.
1: Our scripture reading this morning is from Luke chapter 10, verses 25 through 37. Just then a lawyer stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he said, What must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus said to the man, What is written in the law? What do you read there? He answered, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus said to him, You have given the right answer. Do this and you will live. But wanting to justify himself, the man asked Jesus, And who is my neighbor? Jesus replied, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and fell into the hands of robbers, who stripped him, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. Now by chance a priest was going down the road. When he saw him, he passed by on the other side. So likewise a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, Passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan while traveling came near him, and when he saw him, he was moved with pity. He went to the man and bandaged his wounds, having poured oil and wine on them. Then he put him on his own animal, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day he took two denarii, gave them to the innkeeper, and said, Take care of him, and when I come back, I will repay you whatever you spend. Which of these do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell to the hands of the robbers? He said, the one who showed him mercy. Jesus said, go and do likewise.
0: Let us pray. Good and gracious God, let the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. O God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. I grew up in the best neighborhood in the world it was wonderful. We knew all of our neighbors. We had lots of fun. My parents um, built the house in the subdivision, and at the same time, my, my godparents built their house in the subdivision, and we knew all of the neighbors as they were building the houses. We were the original owners, right? And so we knew everybody, and um, we would have these great picnics on Memorial Day and Fourth of July and Labor Day, and everyone would come and bring a dish. And one time we did a like a Western theme, and we made a mechanical bull, and oh, it was just so much fun. We had um, in the backyard, you could just run for the whole um, distance of all the houses. There were probably twenty houses on each side, and you can run up and down because there were no fences, except for the one fence which was right behind our house, and that was where the pool was. The James family had the in, uh, in-ground pool, and so um, that was that was an okay fence, right? Because it protected the pool. But the cool thing about the pool. Was that um, on sunny days when the James were home, they would put out this windsock. It was a fish windsock, and if that windsock was out, it meant that everyone was welcome. Everyone could come and swim. And so every day that it was beautiful, you'd go out and you'd look. Is the fish? Is the fish out? Is the fish out? So that we could go and swim, and we loved it, and it was wonderful. And we knew all of our neighbors. Well, not all of our neighbors. There were three houses. They didn't come to the picnics, they didn't come to the pool, and we didn't really make a great effort to know them. In one of those houses, I would ride my bike back past really fast, because I was always afraid that they might yell at me. Another house, they weren't the original owners. When they moved in, they built a privacy fence in the backyard. And the other ones, they just kind of kept to themselves. Well, the family with the privacy fence, the Harrises, um, it was a single mom and two kids. And um, one day I don't know if it was a Labor Day or a Memorial Day, but we were having a neighborhood picnic, and uh, Uncle Steve, my godfather, was uh, getting ready to come over, and he looked out his window, and next door was the Harrises, and he noticed that Mrs. Harris was lying on the ground. She had been uh, weed-whacking around the fence, and it had rained the night before, and so the, the ground was wet, and she was electrocuted. And so he called 911 and then came and yelled out to the neighbors at the picnic across the street, and people came. We had several medical people who lived on our street and several who were trained in CPR, and they did CPR on Mrs. Harris, and they brought her back. And it was amazing. And I wonder what would it have been like if we had had a relationship and it didn't take something like that to bring us together what was it that kept us from being friends pretty soon after the harrises moved she was very grateful she gave gifts to everyone who helped save her life but we never really knew her and it took an emergency to even make contact Now, like I said, they moved away, and we never really knew them. But that's always kind of stuck with me. And I was reminded a little bit of it uh, a couple weeks ago when our neighbor across the street—I um, was—I don't remember where I was, but Mike was working from home, and uh, he said, "There's a, there's an emergency vehicle across the street," and our neighbors across the street uh, turned out he had had a stroke. And uh, Mike didn't know them yet, but I knew them, and I said, you have to go over there and see if they need anything. And he went over and uh, and helped, and we were able to let our neighbors know, and we put together some meals and food and, and things for them. And you know, the, fit, the difference is we knew them. And so we've been keeping track and staying in contact. And it's funny, because we've never really known our neighbors since Mike and I have been married until we lived here. And um. I gotta say, it's uh, the closest that I've come to living in a neighborhood like I had as a kid. Complete with sounds of the high school in the backyard. You know, we lived close to a high school um, as a kid, and uh, that's, that makes me very nostalgic. I love it. Neighbors. That's where we start in our um, Be Love series, Neighbors. Love your neighbor as yourself. Won't you be my neighbor? Um, the Pew Research Survey uh, Company did a survey back in 2018 and they explored several aspects of community life in the United States including neighborly relations and they found that older Americans are more likely to know their neighbors than younger ones. Those who are aged 18 to 29, only 2% know all of their neighbors, 20% know most of their neighbors and 54 know some of their neighbors. of those aged 18 to 29 know none of their neighbors. Now, whereas if you're 65 or older, 6% know all their neighbors, 34% know most of their neighbors, 56% know some of their neighbors, and 4% know none of their neighbors. Now, even in the digital age, they found that neighborly interactions are still more likely to happen in person than via text or email and that two-thirds of Americans who know their neighbors would trust them with their house keys. Social events among neighbors are relatively rare, the study found, and among those who know at least some of their neighbors, 58% say they never meet them for parties or get-togethers. And rural residents are more likely to know most of their neighbors than those in urban or suburban communities, but they're not more likely to interact with them. So this all begs the question, if we don't even know our neighbors, how do we love our neighbors, let alone love everybody? So we are talking about Be Love this Lent. That's our theme. We're getting it on t-shirts and sweatshirts. It's all over the place. We've got this great Lenten calendar about Be Love. And we are studying the book Everybody Always Becoming Love in a World Full of Setbacks. And difficult people. It's by Bob Goff, and many of our Lent's. Well, all of our Lent's since I've been here have been very introspective, right? We've talked about forgiveness. We talked about the shadow Jesus. We have talked about last year was um, embracing the uncertain, and it was all kind of dealing with our spiritual uh, faith and all of that internally. And this one, we're focusing on externally. How do we Go out and be love in the world. How do we push ourselves beyond our comfort zones to love everybody? And so our journey begins out of no response to the love that we experience through Jesus Christ, who invites us into this journey together, that we might go to the cross with him, remembering his love love for us and extending that same love to the world. Our scripture today is a very familiar uh, story to everyone, I would think, maybe. Uh, It's a parable. Jesus uses parables throughout the scriptures to tell a story that has a lesson. And he does that by taking very simple situations that everyone can relate to. In this situation, uh, a man is uh, robbed, he's along the road, and people come to visit him. Now, in that time, everyone would have known what a priest was. All right, a priest... We, we know what a priest is. Um, and then there's the Levite. We wouldn't have necess- we might not necessarily know what a Le- Levite is, but they're a teacher of the law. And uh, so they would have known what a Levite was. These were two very holy people, right? The kind of people that just you can count on to love everybody. And then there was a Samaritan. The Samaritan, all the Samaritans were jerks. All the Samaritans, every one of them, it doesn't matter if you are from Samaria, you're the worst. And so they were pushed off and they were outcasts. And so when Jesus tells this story about a man who's beat up and and left on the side of the road and the priest comes and he can't get his hands dirty because he's got to go preside over uh, worship, he walks right by. And the Levite, he comes and he walks right by because he can't be unclean. And then the Samaritan, the jerk, comes... And he's the one who helps them. And the guy who asked him the question that got him to teach this story, he's able to realize that it was the Samaritan who showed mercy. You know, he was trying to trick Jesus, setting him up with this whole question of, Well, who is my neighbor? And then Jesus kind of turned it around on him. Your neighbor's maybe sometimes the last person that you expect. It's a story that makes a lot of points. One is that sometimes laws aren't in place for all people. Sometimes they're mean. It makes the point that people you expect to be jerks because of what you've heard about them can be very kind and generous and maybe what we think is not what is real. And it teaches us that our neighbors don't just just live next door. Neighbors are anyone we offer compassion to. Neighbors are people who teach us about God. In our book, Everybody Always, the first couple chapters, Bob Goff is talking about neighbors, and he begins by telling a story about his neighbor Carol. Maybe you've read it already. And Carol became his neighbor because they had decided that they were going to sell their house and move across the street. And that in the selling of the house, they had the opportunity to decide who was going to be their neighbor, because they wanted this person to be a part of their life. And so They kind of interviewed people as they were selling their house, and they decided that Carol was who they wanted to be their neighbor. And Carol became a part of their family, and there's some great stories, and I'm not going to tell you all of them because I don't want to spoil them for you, spoil everything. But um, they developed this wonderful friendship, and she becomes part of the family, and then she gets cancer. And um, Bob and his family walk through it with her. Now, this neighborhood uh, had a tradition of having a parade every year on New Year's, and it was a big deal, and the whole neighborhood was involved. And every year, they pick a different grand marshal for the parade. And one year, Carol got to be the grand marshal, only they called her the queen. And uh, she loved the parade, and her greatest wish was to live for one last parade. Here's Bob telling the story. ¶¶ We
2: had one last New Year's Day parade, and my prayer was that Carol would would make it long enough to see one last parade. And she was too weak to make it outside that day, and so we picked her up and we put her in the front window of her home. What Carol didn't know is we changed the parade route, and all 700 of us walked right through her front yard. And Carol sat in her chair, blowing kisses goodbye to her friends and kids put their noses up against the windows and bounced balloons. And and that next week, Carol went home to heaven. It it would have been her second parade of the week. And you know what Carol taught me? She taught me the value of knowing your neighbors and not just knowing about them or just waving to them, but diving into their lives. And because we did a cannonball into Carol's life, she did a cannonball into ours, and she taught us more about our faith. She taught us more about these beautiful ideas that Jesus shared with a lawyer, to love God with your heart, your soul, and your mind, and love your neighbor like yourself. Here's the deal, you guys. Like, we want to love everybody on Earth. Like, this idea that God so loved the whole world But what we need to do is start across the street. Find these people that God's already put in proximity to you, and then you be present with them. And I know it can be awkward. God makes us in every different flavor. But what he made for us is to understand more about him by understanding more about the neighbors that he put around us. And if we keep avoiding people, we'll never meet our neighbors, and we'll miss out on some of what God has. I meet people that don't want to be around other people. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, you're going to hate heaven. <laughs> Everybody, always.
0: of his suggestion of starting with loving our neighbors, right? Jesus commanded we love our neighbors because it's an easy first step to loving everybody always. But we have to be courageous and get to know our neighbors. Now, I I told you, we never lived in a neighborhood like this before, and it's the closest that I had as a kid, and there was kind of a gap between those two neighborhoods. We didn't know our neighbors before we lived here. I would get home, and the last thing I wanted to do was more work. But here, I didn't have a choice. Here, our neighbors befriended us and pulled us in, and I'm so glad. But there are still some that I don't know, and I wonder, do you know all your neighbors? What would it take for you to get to know a neighbor that you've talked to before? Or maybe a neighbor that has uh, rubbed you the wrong way? I know what you're thinking. You've lived in your house for... Ten years now, how do you just go all of a sudden and decide you're going to meet your neighbor? Anyway, they've lived here just as long and they never came to meet you. Or maybe someone moved in two years ago and now it's too late to welcome them to the neighborhood. But if we really are going to take our Lenten journey seriously and love everyone, shouldn't we start with our neighbors? Take advantage of a male mix-up, or let your dog do the talking, or leave a note on the door. Take in their recycling bin. Compliment them when you see them. There's lots of advice on the internet, also on how to avoid your neighbors, but we'll not look at that. But, of course, we also know that when Jesus says, love your neighbor, he's not being literal. He means love everybody. In the classes this past week, uh, our Latin study groups who have looked at this, uh, what we've found is that people know to love the outcast, to love the people we tend to stereotype. They People of Orchard do that. That's part of who we are. But to love the bullies, to love the ones who have different ideas than us, political ideas, or the ones um, who are maybe harder to love, the blowhards, the ones we disagree with. That's a whole different story. I can't love one, someone who is mean or someone who doesn't love God's people, someone who's racist or sexist or homophobic, love someone who's never kind or someone who insults other people, someone who never has anything good to say, someone who picks on children or senior citizens. Or that guy at Kroger who's mean to the grocery bagger who has special needs. I'm supposed to love that guy? This Lent, I'm challenging you to love everybody, even those people you want nothing to do with. I'm not saying subject yourself to abuse, but give it a shot. Try to love the unlovable. I called up my friend on Friday and asked him if I could share this story with you, and he said yes. How many of you know Andy Wayne of Farmington Hills? A few people. I went to church camp with Andy Wayne when I was in middle school, and I couldn't stand him from the beginning. He was so arrogant, even as a 13-year-old boy, and I just kind of avoided him. And then when uh, I, uh, you know, graduated seminary and became a pastor and was going to annual conferences, all of a sudden I discovered that Andy Wayne is going to annual conference too. He's a lawyer now, and uh, my gosh, still arrogant. And he would get up on the floor of annual conference, and he would say things, and I would just cringe because in some way or another every time he offended me either by saying oh we don't need kids at meetings or we don't need to do this or whatever it was that he was saying and I just thought he was the worst. Now I don't know that I ever called him my enemy but I really couldn't stand him and then um, I was put on this conference leadership team and Andy was on it too And uh, one of the first things I had to do, because this is what they make you do, right? I had to go on a retreat with these people. And uh, we were put in small groups to do this activity where we had to build things out of popsicle sticks, because that's what they make you do at retreats. And we had to build something out of popsicle sticks, and Andy was in my group. And uh, we actually started working together. And I started thinking about it. And later, a bunch of us went out to have a drink, and and my friend Jeff Nelson, who always invites everybody and loves everybody, invites Andy to go out for a drink with us. And uh, we went out, and I just started thinking about it. Here's this guy who at that time, because I've been on this CLT for a long time now, was like 32 years old. Giving up his vacation time to come and serve the church. And how much he really loved the church and our mission and the commitment to the church. And while, yeah, he was arrogant, he sure did know a lot of stuff about the book of discipline. And I decided that maybe I needed to become his friend. And uh, so we did. And a couple years later, when I was asked to be the chair of that leadership team, he said to me, I will always support you, and I will never argue with you publicly. And uh, if I disagree with you on something, you have as much time as you need to convince me, and then I will come in in full support of what you have to say. And that was very much the way it was when we were on the CLT together. Since then, we've been on several things together, and you know what? His uh, knowledge of everything has come in handy. If, I have a, if I'm in a committee meeting here and there's a question about the discipline, Andy, what page do I find this in the discipline? Go, and he right away has the answer for me. And you know what? When we moved here to Farmington Hills, he and his wife and their two kids were the first family to have us over for dinner. And the thing is, now he always has my back. And we have this great friendship. We're still very different. I still disagree with him about a lot of stuff. But I'm really grateful to have him in my life. And I believe that God intended for us to be friends. I believe that he was someone that God put in my life for me to feel supported in ministry and to be inspired by the work of the lay people. And the thing is that if I had just decided that he was my enemy and that we were too different and that he was a bully and a jerk and all of those things, I never would have had the blessing of this friendship. If we keep disliking from a distance, what do we lose out on? If we're going to be love, we have to have the courage to put ourselves out there, to open ourselves up to difficult people and people that we just don't know. We've got to love the Levite and the priest and the bully and the Andy Waynes. And when we do that, we just might see that God has a plan for us, that God's working in it through us or through them, just if we have the courage to be love. Amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. We hope you have been enriched by the word proclaimed. We'd love to hear from you. Drop us a line at ministry at orchardumc.org. You can find out more about Orchard by going to our website at www.orchardumc.org.